Welcome to Mr. Cornwell's podcast. Today we have a very special guest with us today. Uh, Kate Zoomer, who is one of my former students, has joined us today to discuss the Revolutionary War. Welcome, Kate. Hi, good to be here. Uh, thanks for coming today. I really appreciate it. And um, I heard a little rumor that you are actually graduating. I am. And I where am. are we going to school? I will be attending Mercer next fall. Go Bears. Go Bears. <laughs> I'm talking about um, any idea on a major yet? Or? Uh, yes, I'll be majoring in English. In English. In English. Okay. Not history. I'm very sorry. So I apologize for putting you through that course. That was tough. But at least you got me after I was married because I used much worse. My wife's been working on me for many years. Oh, that's good. So, exactly. Um, what do you want to do with that degree? Any ideas? Um, I'm not sure, but I think English is a good starting point because there's, you know, so many pathways to take from there. I could do go to law school. I could okay. do writing, teacher. Many options. So. I don't think I ever told you lawyer was my first choice. Oh, really? Yeah, but my well, grades weren't high I'm enough. I'm glad you're here now. Yeah, <laughs> my grades weren't high enough to get into law school. So I, I took that as a sign. Yeah. Okay. Now you're a great teacher. So. Oh, thank you very much. It, uh, you know, it makes a great teacher, don't you? Great student. You got that right. And thanks for coming. <laughs> All right. Well, um, today, our podcast, when we started talking about doing this, I basically left it open-ended and said, why don't you pick a topic you're interested in? And you chose the Revolutionary War. I did. And honestly, that surprised me. And the reason is, like, when I was a student at the University of Florida, I got a Bachelor's of Arts in History. But my concentration, I took most of my electives from Revolution to Civil War, mm-hmm. like early America. So I always found this fascinating. But this is my 26th year teaching. Mm-hmm. And I found most of the time, most of the kids in the last 25 years, like, I don't know how to put it. They, they don't really relate to the revolution right. as well and, and you know they're into world war ii a lot mm-hmm. you know, more current that kind of stuff so i was kind of surprised so start with why did you pick the revolution um so it's kind of for that reason i wanted to pick a topic that maybe not was discussed as much and you know especially since we're doing in this format i thought you know it'd make it more interesting and also i this is personally one of my favorite periods um like most kids, I did have a pretty big Hamilton phase back in the day. Um, <laughs> you got to so, love the, the play. It is excellent. It is very and good. And the soundtrack might be even yes. better. Um, and that, you know, it just kind of stuck with me. So that's always been something I'm very interested in, just this time period. Um, so I wanted to share that with everyone today through this podcast. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, before we get into it and we get started, we're going to start with Lexington Concord. Before we do that, the intro music was Yankee Doodle Dandy. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure you're aware that that was actually a song created by the British. Yes. And the intent of it was to... It was like a mocking of, of the American... Colon- of British colonists yes. or yeah, future right. Americans. Correct. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Correct. Like like a doodle is like a dimwit. Mm-hmm. Simpleton. Simpleton. Exactly. Some would say redneck today. That uh, kind of stuff in our culture. Yes. And then... Macaroni. I always wondered me stuck a feather in his hat and called it macaroni. macaroni. I always wondered what macaroni was, so I had to look it up. And do you know? I do not. I, yeah, I looked. I cheated. <laughs> a macaroni. All right. In the 1760s, if you were British high society mm-hmm. aristocrat, you would do your tour of Europe. Yes. Okay. And, and young men, we're talking about, and mm-hmm. come back sophisticated. And macaroni was an Italian dish, mm-hmm. and it was new to Britain at the time. Right. So these. High society, aristocrat, cultured 
wealthy people would come back, they would have the big wigs, mm-hmm. the tight fit and clothes, the pants and the shorter jacket. Right. And they become known as macaronis, which mm-hmm. becomes synonymous for like high culture. High. Oh, okay. Snobs, aristocrats, wealthy. Ah. So in other words, <laughs> it's pretty funny. And you listen to it, they stuck a feather in a hat. Okay. And yeah, the simpletons thought they were high society. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Now, you got to remember, this becomes kind of the unofficial anthem Mm -hmm. because our national anthem doesn't come until the War of 1812. So so this really caught on. This was our. Okay. All right. We'll take a short break. We'll be back to discuss the shot heard around the world is where we're going to start. All right. All right, and we're back. Okay, Kate. Well, sorry. Where was the shot heard around the world? So the shot heard around the world is probably one of the most important things taken from the first battle of the Revolution, Lexington and Concord, um, and it's called you know the shot heard around the world um, because it was you know the official start of the war. Um, the first shot, it's. Am I correct? It's not known which side it came from. Correct, hundred percent. Yeah, um, we don't know. And that, I think that's pretty crazy. That, it is, yeah. You know, something so important. It's not sure where it came from. Yeah, if it was a British regular or one of the Lexington militia, because they right. met at Lexington. Yeah, we really don't know if it was someone. We, we do know that no one gave the order. Right. So someone got an itchy trigger finger. That we do know. We just don't know which side. <laughs> exactly. Well, let me ask you, why were the British, why were they out at Concord? Why did they go to Lexington? Why were they out at Concord? What were they doing? So they were marching through Concord, um, and they didn't find any troops there, but they decided to burn the city. Am I correct? Correct. Yes. They were looking for weapons. Yes. So an uh, armory. Yes. And what had happened is they had got there before them, and stashed them, mm-hmm. moved them. So my question is, how did they know the British were coming? Ah, so that's a very interesting story. So I'm sure we've all heard of Paul Revere's Midnight Ride, but the story that actually comes with it. So um, Paul was told to hang um, a light in the Old North Church, was it? Um, one if by land, two if by sea, and that would notify the militia of where the British were coming from so they would be prepared and they would know where to hide and that story became you know the famous poem that we have heard today and has become a very important part of the war gotcha so was paul revere the only midnight rider was he all by himself no there that was a whole group yeah it was all dozen men nobody he, would send one because if he got caught that would right but mess we just tend to remember Correct. one person as opposed because to of the poem 100 percent right 100 percent right because <laughs> right, of the poem so um so that, that's how the colonists found out with their spies. Now, Revere was a loyalist, mm-hmm. allegedly, living in Boston, <laughs> but at night was a patriot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So during the day, he was one of the – he's a tinsmith. He's a local mm-hmm. businessman. He's one of the ones that the British thought they could kind of trust. There weren't a lot of people at the time, like undercover – Yes, Patriots yes, both sides. There's the, spies on both sides, at absolutely. At the very beginning, yes. Absolutely. So Revere's just more one of the, one of the more famous ones, mm-hmm. and mainly because of the poem. Okay? So that, that's how they find out. So really the significance of Lexington and Concord is? That's the start. It's, it starts the war. And I think the British realized that, you know, this wasn't going to be a 
easy, you know, battle to conquer. They weren't going to... The British who were at Concord. Yes. Yeah, I think a lot of British that were in Boston, because they didn't send all their troops. They still, right. That was and a lot of the only British, like 700. Yeah, only 700, or what, like three, 3,000, something yeah. like that. And the British that were in England, they citizens, still, oh, that would be easy, it would be easy. Yeah, but, you know, first they, first real taste of correct, correct. And it what was, we could. And you keep in mind, it's a lot different than what mm-hmm. they're used to, because they're used to line up Napoleonic tactics, fighting mm-hmm. in formation. Yes. And over here, the Patriots are fighting like guerrilla war style. <laughs> yes. So completely different. Okay. Well, let's let's listen to a little bit of Paul Revere's Midnight Ride. We'll listen to um, a little bit of the poem that made really made this famous. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then we'll be back after the short break. Paul Revere's Ride, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Listen, my children, and you shall hear of the midnight ride of Paul Revere on the 18th of April in 75. Hardly a man is now alive who remembers that famous day and year. He said to his friend, If the British march by land or sea from the town tonight, hang a lantern aloft in the belfry arch of the North Church Tower as a signal light. One if by land and two if by sea, and I on the opposite shore will be ready to ride and spread the alarm through every Middlesex village and farm for the country folk to be up and to arm. Then he said good night, and with muffled oar, silently rode to the Charlestown shore. That gives you a little taste of what Longfellow wrote. Mm-hmm. I think about a hundred years or so afterwards. Some is in the eighteen hundreds. I don't oh, remember really? the time. Yeah, I don't oh. remember the exact time, hmm. but um, sometime around there. So let's recap up to a point. The trouble really started after the French and Indian War in the seventeen sixties. Right. So for about a decade, the colonists. English colonists in North America had been having disputes with their this has been leadership. A long time Correct. <laughs> so it finally boils over into bloodshed, which is the beginning of the war in seventy five at Lexington Concord. The next major significant event was Washington crossing the Delaware. Right. Okay. So what makes Washington crossing Delaware, which leads to the Battle of Trenton, what makes that significant? Right. So um Trenton is in Delaware, um, and at that point, the colonists had lost control of um, New York, and Delaware was the gateway to New Jersey, which was then the gateway to New York, so that was very important for them to be able to gain that land back. Um, So this was uh, Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? It was Christmas. Uh, they decided to go on Christmas night. Now, um, Washington and his men are in the Pennsylvania side. Mm-hmm. The Delaware River at this point is the boundary between Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Right. So once they get across the Delaware, they still got like a nine mile march to Trenton yes. where the Hessians are. Yes. So who in the world are the Hessians? Um, so the Hessians were a group of, uh, they were the German soldiers who were fighting for the British. Well, whoa, time out, time out, no, <laughs> out. Do they have some kind of Ger- German, Ang- Anglo-Saxon alliance? Is there, why? And I, th- I thought this was a civil war between Englishmen in North America, Englishmen in England. Why are German soldiers fighting for the British? Uh, yes, yeah, so the Germans were promised uh, money um, if they were to fight on the side of the British, which Absolutely. was something they Mercenaries. needed at the time. <laughs> uh, by this point, by the 1770s, England had been fighting on and off against France and other European powers mm-hmm. for centuries. They had just defeated the French in, in the French and Indian War, the Seven Years' War. Uh, they were light on soldiers. Mm-hmm. So instead of recruiting more, they just rented the Hessians. <laughs> so the importance of that is the Hessians are known for their barbaric tactics because mm-hmm. they, they don't care about independence. They don't care about the crown. Yes. They're here to get paid. Mm-hmm. If the colonists 
colonists had money to pay them, they would turn around and kill the British. Mm-hmm. Think of them like mafia. Uh-huh. So, so there we go. Okay. So Washington decides to attack the Hessians or the German soldiers. He leaves at Christmas night. What's unusual about this attack this time of the year and why Christmas night? Um, so Christmas, obviously, in the wintertime, that was a very difficult trip for them to make because they had to cross the river, a very icy, very treacherous journey. And then, like you said before, it was about a nine-mile walk to where the Hessians were stationed. So, you know, snow, cold. Um, but it was important that it was on Christmas because that was kind of they believed that the Hessians wouldn't be like on their best defenses, and some historians actually believed that the Hessians were still hungover Ooh, from the Christmas festivities. Oktoberfest? Yes. Yeah, the Hessians were known so clearly for... Clearly nothing has changed. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, Just time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So the Hessians may have been hungover, or they were just completely caught off guard, but that was, you know, the um, militia was very quickly to surround them, and the Hessians surrendered, and there was very little... Uh, casualties, and I don't know if there was even any death. Uh, I don't think Washington lost a soldier. I think he had a few wounded. There wasn't too many Hessians killed either, but most of them were captured. Yes. (laughs) It was complete success. They caught him in bed. Exactly, yes. So so what's really the significance? Because, like, this isn't a major battle. It wasn't. It's not the first. It's not the last. not a turning point, none Mm -hmm. of that stuff. So what makes that famous painting of Washington crossing the Delaware. Yes. Like what makes this, what's really the importance of this? So at this point, the war had been going on for about a year, and this was really just an important uh, confidence booster for the militia because, you know, nothing very significant had happened, but this was, you know, kind of, I guess, re-energizing what they discovered at Lexington and Concord, that this was, you know, a fight they could win, that they, you know, were very tactically advantaged, and, you know, they could still pull this out. Such a great point, because, you know, we look today, and we look back on it and think, well, the United States. Mm -hmm. This this was not the United States. These were colonists, Mm -hmm. and they were fighting the best-trained army in the world Mm -hmm. who had just come off defeating their big right or tribals, the French. Mm -hmm. So, So what this means, if you're in Washington's army, Washington took control of the militia outside of Boston in June of 75. So if you've been serving with Washington, you've been with him for a year and a half. Right. And you've won a grand total of zero major victories. Mm-hmm. In fact, you've been routed in most of them. That's so morale is pretty low, yes. absolutely. And this was just an iconic attempt, really, to save the revolution. Yes, and the re- I think that painting is very reflective and is such a iconic part, Correct. even though it's from such a small lesser remembered that's right that's time. right so so really crossing the delaware signifies saving the republic exactly. early on yes and some would say that still continues to this day um, just different absolutely, issues absolutely absolutely okay all right well let's take a short commercial break um by one of our sponsors which is durham boats and we'll be right back after this have you ever found yourself in need of transporting heavy equipment across the Delaware? Why not use the same boats George Washington did? You need to pick up a large, wooden, flat-bottom, double-ended freight boat from Durham Ironworks in Pennsylvania. These new state-of-the-art vessels can be yours for the low price of 12 Pennsylvanian pounds. Use Washington's password, victory or death, to save an additional 10% within the next hour. That's Durham, D-U-R-H-A-M, boats. Support America by purchasing a Durham boat today ah awesome awesome job all right and we're very proud of durham boats thank you for your support absolutely all right the last battle we're going to talk about today is the final one which is the battle of yorktown in virginia Mm -hmm. who helped washington 
win this battle? So very important, um, possibly one of the biggest uh, positives for the um, militia army at this point was that they had gained the support of the French, um, who, like we've mentioned before, had just gotten off fighting the British, but they saw the American cause and were like, this is something we greatly support and we will gladly support you in you know, your quest for freedom. And, of course, the French are highly motivated, if nothing else, to humiliate the British oh, who just course. defeated them. Absolutely. <laughs> if, if, if they can pick up colonies, even better, but at then, least humble the British. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. So um, where did Washington believe? Like, Washington was convinced to end this war, to win. Mm-hmm. Not He didn't believe it was Yorktown. Where did he believe? He wanted he, to do it in uh, New York, which New York. has always been, you know, one of the most contested uh, spots. Um in the whole war, um, but and Washington believed that it was essential to get New York, but that is not how it turns out. As you know, nothing goes according to plan. Absolutely. <laughs> if you know anything about military training, well, Washington had lost New York City mm-hmm. in the spring of '76. So, and he was convinced to win the war, to beat the British, to win independence. We got to take New York City back. So New York City was ground zero for Tories the whole war. Yes. It was the headquarters. It's like when Cornwallis surrenders in the South, his boss, Henry Clinton, has a larger force in New York City still. Mm-hmm. So Washington is convinced to win, we've got to retake New York City. Exactly. But one of Washington's greatest attributes is his ability to listen to his subordinates. Absolutely. And, and they're the ones that really convinced him that the opportunity to strike might be in the South. Mm-hmm. So he leaves New York City, General Rochambeau, French generals with him. Um, his uh, Hamilton is with him, Colonel Hamilton at the time. But there was one other important ingredient the French provided that Washington did not have to trap Cornwallis at Yorktown. French Navy. And Bo Hamilton, they can block Cornwallis's escape by land, yes. but it's on the Chesapeake. But he could get on a boat and sail away. Yes. But for the first time, what really convinced Washington yeah. was the French Navy. Because we was didn't there. have a Navy. He had no real we Navy were. to speak up, <laughs> except for Durham boats. Make sure you buy Durham. Oh, thank you, Durham. Exactly. But um, so, so what had happened is the French Navy had been in the, in the Caribbean protecting its sugar. Well, there was a hurricane that came up through, mm-hmm. so they had to leave. So, so there's like this perfect opportunity. Absolutely. And, and Washington took it. That's okay? definitely the time. Correct. So what role did Colonel Hamilton play at York? So, um, in Yorktown, um, they were trying to set up artillery attacks and build trenches around the British camps, and um, Washington wanted, they had already established one trench, and they'd wanted to set up another one, but in doing so, that would involve taking out two British forts. Um, So, this is where Hamilton comes in. He led a bayonet attack on one fort while the French attacked the other, and they were very, this was a very unexpected attack, and the British were defeated in their forts and you know that was kind of the big moment so so instead of what you're telling me instead of like an all-out assault on a battlefield Mm -hmm. they slowly tighten the noose on cornwallis correct so what hamilton does talk about bravery Mm -hmm. as he leads an attack what we call a fort it's 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 a readout it's a little Mm -hmm. hill so what that means is a couple dozen guys storm it Mm -hmm. and it's hand-to-hand combat with british soldiers for your life that's wow <laughs> and the boots yeah boots on the ground and hamilton he doesn't lead from the back he says follow me oh, let's go yes. over the top absolutely and if you are familiar with hamilton the musical um yeah <laughs> he's been waiting for this chance for a while oh he's been was, itching to go that was huge for him and really because ha- hamilton's real big break is when he meets washington because mm-hmm. hamilton is boy genius uh-huh. and washington realizes that so washington uses it 
Mm-hmm. He's been on Washington staff for most of the war. For exactly. And he's was, been itching to get his own was, command. Like he's, he's a great advisor to Washington, smart, take mm-hmm. notes, but he wants his he own wants glory. Absolutely. Exactly. So his performance at Yorktown was incredible. Exactly. Like, not only did he lead, but his hand-to-hand combat but himself. He was, yeah, he testing. Was, he was ready. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Years in the making, we could say, right? Absolutely. Okay. So, um, so General Cornwallis surrenders at Yorktown, mm-hmm. which is the largest British surrender in history up to that point, over oh. t- about 10,000 mm-hmm. British soldiers. And, and like we already established, Clinton in New York, his boss, had more soldiers mm-hmm. than he had south. They were just completely... <laughs> well, the British thought this war would be over in weeks to months mm-hmm. it is now six years old mm-hmm. and you just suffered the biggest defeat in british military history mm-hmm. it's humiliating so so much as losing it's just the british citizens in england were just sick of war yes and they kind of pulled the plug and let the colonies right. go right and okay yeah <laughs> so so let me ask you what lessons from this conflict can be learned today or are there any or is this just ancient history oh absolutely not so i mean this is the american revolution when you say the revolution we're almost always talking about the american revolution it's such a symbol that you know anyone who is you know struggling against a higher power have the chance to get the freedom that they desire and i think that's something that can even be applied to today you know is that such a time old struggle you know and the american revolution was great proof of that it's beautiful stay the course don't give up mm-hmm. even when it looks like you cannot win absolutely don't give up you have to. tomorrow will be a different day absolutely mm-hmm. all right kate well I, I appreciate you coming in today that was a great discussion on the revolutionary war yes thank you for having me oh you're welcome do you have any uh, parting words of wisdom for my future students um just Enjoy the time you have left. It is so fast, and you just want to take every opportunity you can. Um, enjoy the little moments, and, you know, everything will work out. <laughs> Go Bears. Go Bears. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, well, we'll play. We'll, we'll leave you all with a little ditty from Kate's favorite musical. Hamilton. Hamilton. <laughs> and this is Yorktown, The World Turned Upside Down. The Battle of Yorktown, 1781. Monsieur Hamilton. Monsieur Lafayette. In command where you belong. Are you saying no sweater? We're finally on the field. We've had quite a run. Immigrants. We get the job done. So what happens if we win? I go back to France. I bring freedom to my people if I'm given the chance. We'll be with you when you do. Go, lead your men. I'll see you on the other side. Till we meet again. I am not thrown away, my shot. Hey, yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not thrown away, my shot. I am not thrown away, my shot. Till the world turns upside down. Till the world turns upside down. I imagine that so much it feels more like a memory. This is where it gets me. On my feet, the enemy ahead of me. If this is the end of me, at least I have a friend with me.